Hello and welcome to another episode of You Haven't Seen That, uh, a podcast where myself, Eric, and Chris go through films that I missed um, during my childhood. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this is, what, episode five or so for us at this point, I think? Um, I think maybe even six. Yeah. We've hit that point now where we're like, ah, it doesn't matter the numbers. Yeah, we're, we don't we're, care we're, anymore. We're, we're deep into it now at this point. Yeah, this so. is kind of real now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like we lingered too long last week. This week's episode is going to be the never-ending story. Yeah! For anyone who's ever made a wish, believed in a fantasy, or had a dream, this is The NeverEnding Story. Yes, yeah, that, that was the film that was pulled out of the hat. Uh, the 1984 Wolfgang Peterson film, a, uh, a West German fantasy movie. <laughs> is it West German, is it? Yes. See, there you go, I've learned something already. Yeah, <laughs> before the movie has even started. No, okay. But, um, yeah, for, for those of you that uh, are just tuning in and haven't listened to some of our previous episodes, uh, we start, what we normally do now is we have a little bit of a, a quick chat before watching the movie mm. to kind of gauge Eric's impression before seeing it that we can then contrast with. And get some, some Chris comments and thoughts. Yeah. And things like that, too. And uh, pique so, my interest. Hmm. So I guess your do you have any kind of preconceived notions, or what, what do you know about the never-ending story kind of before Not we go much. into it? Uh, no, no, I, I know that the that probably the cover art in the DVD and wherever it's sitting, or Blu-ray or whatever, but uh, the, the little girl, whatever her name is. is oh, it, no, that's a boy. That's a boy, <laughs> the character, see? S- um, sitting on the s- back on, of it, on the yeah, which I know now is a luck dragon. Yes. Um, uh, uh, Cole, who you may have heard on um, Chris's other podcast, The Criterion Quest, mm-hmm. a little bit. Her uh, her little doggy, she, um, Harvey, she called him a little luck dragon. And now, now that I think about it, he did look a lot like one. Yeah, he was very similar. <laughs> yeah, very similar. So that's about all I know, really. I know that he can fly because that's what it looks like he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> he could be plummeting. You never know. Yeah, he could, anything could be happening. He could be eating. Um, and then I'm, I'm assuming you know the song. Yeah, it's one of those ones where as soon as I hear it, I'll be like, that's it. Yeah. It's not one I could just sing. Oh, okay. So it hasn't kind of seeped it across, like, I say, Footloose or something has. No, not, you? no. Exactly. Okay. Like, I can picture that one straight away. So this is one where I think I know it just enough, but there's no way I'd have the guts to try and sing it. That's interesting, because this is one where I feel the song is almost as popular as the film itself. Mm, yeah. At, at least for kind of people of our generation, I guess. Yeah, good point. No, no. No, not for Footloose or something like that. Um, that that's just, that's easy for yeah. me. So that's a, that's a very good comparison. No, not that at all. I really don't know much. Um, I'm expecting it to be a really fairy tale children's movie. Um, pretty wonderful, prob- a good companionship kind of tale, I, I think. And then I'm anticipating based on when it was made and things like that, there'll be some, some tears and heartbreak, maybe some resolution or maybe not. We'll find out. Maybe you'll have to free Willy and never see him again. Oh, so so okay. That's some interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right. So I'm just drawing conclusions on the time. I don't know much, basically. You're literally yeah. just going off of the cover art. Yeah, That's I'm just going off what I expect from that that period of time. Um, hmm. But um, I know a few of our friends like like the film a lot. Yeah. Um, Jane is dressed up as Halloween for Halloween. As yeah, she dressed up as the uh, the emperor. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So um, a few of our friends have uh, definitely have seen him. Uh, sing it and reference it and things like that but I haven't really known what they're talking about hmm. um, so yeah it would be a good little one to complete it was one of those ones uh, when I, in the video stores as a kid I always liked the cover art but never borrowed it for Just, some reason oh okay yeah. That's interesting. otherwise I guess I was going for more modern one or like more current 
films, I guess. You're like, yeah, that looks interesting, but yeah, what's that looks new? Yeah. like ten years old. Yeah, it's probably out. <laughs> it's just probably out yeah. for the yeah. time. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah, no, never, never got a chance to watch it. So this will be a, a real kitty one, like we were saying. Um, last, I think it was last week. You know, we we've haven't had too many childish films yet, I guess. Well, that being said, was now the second one in the row after the Muppet movies. Yeah, so, and E.T. Yeah. sort of a 50-50 in a way. Yeah, um, so it, it, it's nice covering the spectrum of films, so yeah. We'll, yeah. Uh, this ain't no Top Gun, though. No, <laughs> no. Uh, kind of debatable, maybe. We'll okay, see. Okay, interesting. All we'll right. see after the film, so I guess, should we jump into it? Yeah, let's go for it. It was midnight in the howling forest. The wind whistled through the tops of the ancient trees. Suddenly something enormous crashed and rumbled through the eerie woods. Okay, and we are back. We've just finished watching The NeverEnding Story. Yeah, um, that, 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 was, that was a movie. That was a movie, yeah. That was the first time for me, and you, you were saying you hadn't actually seen it for maybe yeah, this, actually it, quite a while, which it is was surprising. A, it was a big, big one for me and my brother in our childhood, um, but... It's one I don't think I've seen. Like, I, I own it on DVD, but I don't think I've actually watched it in probably 15 to 20 years. Which is rare for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a, like... I, it's just, if I want to go back to an old child, this isn't just one I kind of... It's not one of my go-tos to no. revisit. Unlike but I but I do movie. Yeah, Muppet <laughs> Movie, or, like, Return to Oz, or Labyrinth, or Dark Crystal. Like, yeah. there are other ones that I go back to more frequently. Um, that being said, like, from the second this film started, I was like, oh, it was like non flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I happy remember, straight away. Like, that kitchen scene with his dad, how it opens, I'm like, I know everything that's happening now. Like, yeah, it was just, just like, familiar. It's, it's yep. burned into my brain in yep, there somewhere. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's uh, interesting. I I think I rewatched more as a kid, uh, Never Ending Story 2. Which I didn't even know there was a second or a and, and a third one, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, they're both on the list. I feel we have to do them. At are, some they, point. are they decent? Like, I I think I I have memories of the second one being decent. But, yeah, okay. uh, the internet tells me otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> what does the internet think of the first one? Loves it. Okay. Loves it. So um, not necessarily nostalgia goggles for the first one. I I think maybe a like, little bit. Well, if we want to jump into personal opinion, I think maybe. Yep. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Um. Yeah. So I think we should. Uh, do we do synopsis or anything for anyone that hasn't seen it? Or? Yeah, we do a little bit, I guess, because it ties in nicely with uh, what my expectations were, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, essentially, you've got the good old kid uh, in the real world who's, uh, whose mother has passed away recently, and, um, and his dad's sort of telling him to not pull his head in, but just sort of get get a move on, just, just try and move on past these, this thing that's happened. But he doesn't... Not a callous way, but also not really a very... He's distant. Yeah, a little bit distant. Very distant. He's not cruel or anything. He just wants him to be part of the swim team and get his grades up. You know, typical stuff. He wants him to get back to normal life. Bastion, we each have responsibilities. We can't let Mom's death be an excuse for not getting the old job done, right? That was weird. Great breakfast, Dad. Um, Orange juice and eggs. Yeah, yum. Um... And then, yeah, kid goes to school, and of course he gets bullied on the way to school and ends up in in a trash can. Yeah, a dumpster, um, and then he gets bullied again on the way to school by the same kids who wanted to get back in the dumpster. He ends up in a bookstore, and um, he he the guy tells him to get out, and he's like, "No, I like books." He's like, "Yeah, comic books," and then the kids start listing off all the books he reads, and they're like, you know, ch- 
childish classics in a way. Like, um, and coincidentally, Lord of the Rings is in there. Yes, Lord of the Rings, Twenty Thousand Legs Under the Sea, and um, um, Treasure Island, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, then he goes to school, realizes he's late to his maths test. So what does he do? He goes to the attic with all the creepy stuff. The, uh, we'll we'll get to the school attic. Yeah. I, I have some issues there. <laughs> and um, and he reads he reads the book, and he gets really. And then then we get introduced to. We get transported to, to the world of Fantasia. Fantasia. Yeah, and we, we follow the journey of Atreyu and um, and everyone he meets along the way, and that was the quest I was expecting, I guess. You weren't necessarily expecting the... The medium... The, the wraparound of no, it. No, I, yeah. I guess I wasn't expecting the Princess Diaries, let me read you a book Yeah. Um, method of storytelling. I was just expecting an adventure story, but I guess... Were you meaning Princess Bride, not Princess yes, Diaries? Bride, so I <laughs> I'm like, wait, Anne Hathaway yeah. and Julie Andrews? Uh, it was the actor, the Hathaway actor. In the film. Um, but yes, yeah. Princess Bride, um, which is Grandpa. Reading. Yeah, it's uh, Peter Falk. Yeah. It's Columbo reading That's Prince right, Savage's yeah. story. So he's just reading a book to the kid the whole time. Yeah. Like, what? Don't you like love stories? Yeah, well, that's it's like that's a good point. Like, it is very. I think it's very similar to that, to mm. The Princess Bride, in that it's... I'd say The Princess Bride is a lot more of a kind of simplistic fairy tale, whereas yes. this is more of a fantasy-driven tale, but it's... They're both very simplistic in their narratives. Yeah, the story they tell isn't complicated. Princess Bride, um, since we're talking about it anyway, obviously tries to use sort of use comedy around classic tropes. Yes. I, I guess. Um, and some great casting. And Whereas this refers and, and we'll get, well, I guess we'll talk about it. Yeah. Stage, um, pulls quite heavily from some of that in, uh, literature we we're talking about before. So we, um, it's, it's a less of, of a, it's less of like an homage or a satire of those classic tropes. And as opposed to just using those classic tropes to tell a story, yes. which is fine. It's mm. fine. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's all about imagination, really, isn't yeah. it? I mean, that's what I interpreted. So, the world of Fantasia—the nothing is eating up the world, and Atreyu needs to go out in a quest. He's the only one who can save the world. And I read into it that the nothing, at least while I was watching it, I guess it was a little bit like um, Peter Pan, but like kids weren't reading anymore. Yeah, well, and that's yeah. And imagination was was disappearing. It turns out from what that creepy wolf says, no, people are just giving up on their hopes and dreams, apparently. <laughs> Don't you know anything about Fantasia? It's the world of human fantasy. But why is Fantasia dying then? Because people have begun to lose their hopes and forget their dreams. Yeah, which I... <laughs> I didn't think that tied in as well as my theory. No, I think, but I, I think honestly, it is your... Th- like, that's what I view it as, mm. regardless of what... The wolf says. The creepy Hitler wolf says. Yes. <laughs> um, because he starts off saying that, mm. and then he just kind of devolves into, like... I, I think that is just because he is an agent of the nothing, and mm. he, he's helping facilitate this, that he's viewing it as a character... Like, the Gamork as a character is viewing it as the be-all and end-all, and, like, it, blowing it out into this massive thing of, like... Humanity or like all, everything is yeah. losing hope and destruction. Yes, yeah, so it gets big very quickly. <laughs> but the thing is, his world is the book, so yes. it does then tie back into that initial thing of the nothingness is you know essentially children not reading anymore and people losing yeah. the the power and the wonder and the imagination that comes from reading books. Yeah, which is a really wonderful positive message for a kids' movie. I think. Yeah, and it doesn't like 
dwell on it too heavily. It doesn't really try and ram home that message. No. Like, it's not as though it sets up the story with, you know this kid loves books and he loves imaginations. He's, he's been drawing, dreaming of unicorns and things like that. You get it a little bit with the old man who runs the bookstore. Because he, he, he's like, the arcade with the bleeps and the bloops is down oh, yeah, the road. Of course, that's no right. kids read these days. Like, Here we just sell small rectangular objects. They're called books. Require a little effort on your part and make no beep, 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 beeps. That's the kind of setup of that idea. Yeah. But then you kind of just think of that as he's a cantankerous old man and you're not going to bother. You're just like, ah, oh, just whatever. Yeah. But then that ends up being the nice kind of hmm. subliminal kind of setup for the entire arc of the film. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so the film, we, we felt borrowed quite a bit and inspiration, I guess, from... A lot of uh, stories. We definitely noticed some big Lord of the Rings style, yeah, um, yeah. borrows, uh, which is fine. like the the council of um, the council when you know they send off Atreyu to go do it. Yes, yeah. it even looks like the same set. <laughs> yeah, and Peter Jackson might have borrowed a bit there or whatever, and mm. um, and then also when he comes across the turtle, what's the turtle called? Um, uh, Elmora El- 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 or something like that. I don't know. He's a big. I have this. I have these, all the names saved. I'm glad you did. Yeah, Morla. Morla. I was close. Um, the big turtle who speaks very slowly and doesn't care much one way or the other what happens with the world. Um, so we drew the tree beard. Yeah. Um, analogy, except turtle, we couldn't really talk around. I guess he finally gave an instruction on where to go next. We don't know, but you can ask. The Southern Oracle. How can I get there? You can. Kind of, yeah. It's like, you need to go to the other side of the world. It's pretty much his thing. Um. And I suppose that's like the other, the major similarity, I think. It is a a seemingly innocent person in the sense, like, I mean, we do get the little backstory that he is a warrior from the plains Mm. people and things, but essentially he's a child. Like, a a seemingly innocent, simple child who's put in charge of this epic quest that they have to go on. And all the quests really... Like, Lord of the Rings, like, I'm just focusing now yeah, on, yeah, well. on on Frodo and yeah. his thing. He's just going... I'm, I'm just over... This is a very broad and over-generalisation yeah. of it. But it is, he goes to one place and then he's told he has to go to there, to the, go to there, to go to there. Yeah, he hits obstacles and he moves to the next point. And... and where he meets someone who tells him and gives him advice to move on to the next thing and... So it goes, and that's very much what the formula is for this film. Like, it's just a sequence of events of Atreyu encountering obstacles. A character on an obstacle. Yeah, and usually simultaneously, and then mm. moving on to the next one. Yeah. Uh, even down to the point of the moving on to the next one is almost like cut, we're at the next one now already. Yeah, true, there's not much um, it, it's very questing to the next point. There's, yeah. there's an event that happens. but um, Which I think is the one downfall for the film, viewing it now as an adult. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more adventure in the middle, but I guess like some of the transitions are quite good. Like, They're I, not I bad. Quite, you know, when um, uh, Falcor comes along at the last minute and plucks him from the swamp, and yeah. then you wake up, and the, like that's quite an interesting way to move on to the next place. Mm. But then he ends up in the next place just because he fell off Falcor in a storm. Yeah, and you don't necessarily know where the next place. No, you've got no really? idea yeah. where that is, and things like that. But um, but that's okay. But other, what other? Books did or, or did you draw any? Because I th- I thought Atreyu reminded me a lot of Horse and His Boy from okay. the um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe Narnia sort of story. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And then I also felt like, you know, when they said, no, you've got to go and speak to the Oracle, she's 10,000 miles south or whatever. That reminded me very much of um, Wizard of Oz sort of thing. Oh, you know, cool. you've yeah, got to go, to go and, on the adventure to go see the wizard. Or, yeah, yeah. With, maybe it was just the geographic name. But, hmm. um, you know, you went to one point and then he had to go to another. Um, uh, so there, there are a couple along there that I sort of, sort of felt lent with the, the inspiration behind stories which I got a lot out of I mean it's called The Never Ending Story yeah as a kid who loves books um, so I think there were a few inspirations in it that I sort of at least felt I drew a connection with which is why I don't think it feels cheap or, no. or rip, like it's ripping off or anything it is it's a tribute like, yeah like yeah. I said earlier like it's it's using all of the traditional story tropes because that's what it yeah. is doing like yeah. that's yeah there's a purpose to it doing that so yeah and I think something like it obviously um, so much of it's about imagination mm. and and thought and wonder. And uh, we were talking early when, when you first end up in Fantasia, the creatures and the animals at the council and stuff are just the costumes. In, they're not in it for that long. That's that's they're, they're great. That's why I think this film honestly has endured for as long as it has. Such it is unique, amazing character design and all the practical effects. Mm. It's. Amazing, and it's such an it immediately immerses you into that world. Yeah, like, and it's a unique world that you haven't seen in fantasy before, really. No, like it's got the standard forests and things like that, but uh, the tower itself is is still. It's. It, I mean, I don't know if you saw it on its own, you might just think it's someone's painted as fantasy tower, but mm. when you when you bring all the characters together, um, but like so distinct, like the rock biter is such a distinct mm. and visually unique character. Similar uh, teeny weeny who drives the racing snail and yep. um, mental blink on the guy who rides the bat. Like, yeah, that weird thing. And yeah, then you the get, trio of them and and then particularly when they all go to the tower and you see the spokesperson for the emperor empress um, Lando Calrissian with a shark fin. Yes, basically. <laughs> um, and his audience. So you've got all these other different species and creatures and stuff, and you go, "Wow, what a world!" And you don't get shown that much of the world, but no. you believe that this big world exists purely from, like, one or two scenes that they've shown all these coming together of characters from all over the place. And you go, cool, this Fantasia world's pretty fantastical. It gives you the idea of the magic and the, the scope sc- of the world. Scope, exactly, yeah. Mm. Like, we were loving the, um, like, the multi-face people. Yeah. Um, which is pretty well done. And then, like, those big, giant-headed, just, like, head Almost like characters. Stonehenge things. Yeah, yeah, they're almost like Easter Island, Stonehenge kind of... Oh, he's right. Oh, that's, sorry, yeah. that's what I meant to say, yeah. And then, um, and the fish creature. Just a stuff. random fish a on fish. the right-hand side of the frame. <laughs> it's pretty wonderful. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's what I think. I think it honestly is the, the two lingering things that I think people of our generation that grew up on the film, why they have such fond memories, is because of that unique mm. design. It, it, it just gets burned into your brain of because there's nothing really else like it that it's no like, like I mean I don't know I guess there's some weird things in Labyrinth and definitely um, from what I've heard Dark Crystal and things like that but yeah I would put those in the yeah. same league as this for sure yeah um, yeah and it just I think that's what makes people have such fond memories for it because it, it's as, as an actual film itself it's it's, it's decent it's, it's enjoyable um, it's, it's nice and I, as a kid I would have loved it yeah but I think yeah you're right the fantastical elements are what make it yeah, push it up Step to that next up to notch. that next notch. Um, in terms of, I think the, the nostalgia and the kind of the longevity of it as a film, but um, I, I think like maybe if that came out ne- like now, I mm. it wouldn't have the effect that I think it does. Possibly not. No, you, you well not with 
I don't know. Who, who knows? Maybe if they went practical offence, it might. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Well, I, I guess what I was kind of trying to lean in with that question was, I guess, what the the first of the two main questions we sort of ask is, so as an adult, what did you think of the movie? Um... Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. I like it. It's, that's a hard one to answer, I think, for this one. Um, I think, and I found that with the kid ones in general. Um, but because I've got to put into context of the year it was made and everything. So as an adult, it's hard to rate some of these these more kids movies. Mm. Um, but actually, I enjoyed watching it today in in twenty seventeen. I believe we're still in. Yep. <laughs> um, Probably just by yeah. the time this comes out, we'll, we'll see. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, I know I would have... Re- what I do know is I would have enjoyed it a lot as a kid. And yeah. I think if I had kids, I think they'd probably enjoy it still. Yeah. They might find it a bit creepy and old in points, but generally... Um, it gets it, surprisingly heavy as yeah, well. Yeah, some heavy moments. There's some just sort of moments that would definitely creep out a kid. Uh, there's some things like that. But, um, like, you know, I could pick holes in it that the main kids you don't like that much. That's that's my problem with the lack of... The he's got zero backstory apart from the fact his mum died. Yeah, and he doesn't go to math class. Yeah, I, but he's not really our main protagonist. It is really a he's train. Not the protagonist, but the problem is he's a big driver of of why the story is happening, and he's yeah. the ultimate. You know, he's getting dragged along for the journey, so you've got to connect with him. He's he's the audience primarily. Yes. Yeah. Um. So and know. if you can't see yourself in him, then you no. Just, yeah. So, uh, very difficult one, and, you know, that's just me being picky, mm. just for the sake of being picky. Um, it's... But at Treyu, um, he was, you know, the, all the characters in Fantasia were good. Um, I guess, like we were sort of saying during the film, like, Falcor's facial movements and stuff don't hold up well with the test of time so much. He, he likes to wink a lot, which yeah. is borderline, borders on creepy now. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I remember Falcor being this wonderful, loving guy, yeah. and now, as an adult... He comes across real creepy. Yeah, he was quite creepy. Leaving so soon? Hmm? I, I was just going to... I, I have to... I was trying to... Sneak away. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, no, no. I like children. Yeah, he was quite creepy. Uh, it, but, you know... I think if a kid watched it, they wouldn't find him creepy at all. No, not at all. So that's the whole point, isn't it? But, um, yeah, he, he, he has dated not as well as some of the other characters and creatures in the film, yeah. I think. But um, he's still a magical creature. He's a really great one for, for um, a trade to ride around mm. on. And Again, it goes back to that wonderful just the design and the actual mm-hmm. practicality of everything. This big, friendly, lovely, cuddly luck dragon that yeah. will come to your rescue, and if he's not, he's, he's looking for you and things like that. He's a good companion who doesn't you know, do the quest for the character, but is there. He's there to help when yeah. he's, you know, needed. When he's needed, yeah. Um, going back to just briefly, you, you're sort of saying, like, as an adult, you kind of enjoyed it, but as a kid, you would have loved it, and it's mm. one, you said, like, you know, you'd show your kids and things, but I, I think a way to maybe break that down is, um, as an adult, you enjoy it looking, not necessarily for the story aspects, but more for the actual production and everything that goes into the film, perhaps. Yes, yeah. And then, but as a kid, you can kind of put aside all the... You can watch it with just, um, without your cynical adult... Yeah, and knowing lines. of yeah. the tropes and like, okay, he's going to go here and that's... Like, seeing the ABC of the story yeah. ahead of time. Like, you can just... Yeah, still is a good kid's film. Yeah, you can appreciate... Yeah. Yeah, which is what most kid's films are. It's an ABCD kind of sort of like... It doesn't need to be complicated if you can no. fit... I think they could have made the message a bit clearer if you really wanted to, if you want to like compare it to something like a Pixar film where their messages are just 
epic at an adult and child's level, yeah. and they're interpretable at both levels. Yeah, like, I, um, I will give it at the very end of this film, it starts to get very meta and very lofty with its ideas of what it's going for, which yeah. would, might go over a kid's head, possibly. Yeah, that meta ending was hilarious. Yeah. It's like, whoa. <laughs> it's just like... Mind. This story never ends. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> and it, it kind of comes out of left field and gets very yeah, arty towards totally the end. totally unexpected. And then the actual ending to the film, they're like, okay, let's give a kid's ending. And it's just him living in dreamland for a while. He just and takes, that's the tale for another time. And he just takes his dragon back to real life and torments his bullies. Yeah. It's... Like, oh, oh, this kid, that's his first dream? Well, I, <laughs> the reason for that I, I kind of found out doing a little bit of yep. prep and research is the this film is only half, the first half of the book. Ah, okay, there we go. So yep. the and like the actual ending of like you know Bastion pulling Falcor out, like you know he's taking his first wish, yep. and going out and tormenting his bullies. I don't think that's in the book. Okay, um, but spoiler alert for Neverending Story Two. It is about Bastion being in Fantasia and having the power of wishes. Interesting. That's what the se- and apparently the the second film is the second half of the original book. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's like this epic, epic kind of yeah, okay. st- story and tale. But yeah. Oh, so yeah, because it would benefit from a second half because you spent all this time dragging Bastion. I think the, the film just ended well enough. Uh, it's kind of abrupt. It, yeah, it's it just abrupt. kind of ends and like. And then we're going to do the old, but that's for another story. Which is great for a kid's film. Yes. And it, it like, you know, if you're six years yeah. old watching this, you'd be like, great. Yeah, you'd be like, yeah, you got those bullies. Yeah. That was that. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Uh, hopefully if the film does its job, you're like, I'm going to go write that story now. Yes. <laughs> so. So, yeah, no solid, but um, not, not astronomically clever storyline. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. That would be my only gripe regarding the, the main story sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant, but I'm also intrigued to see um, the more of these kind of classic kids' mm. films we get, where they kind of stack up for you. I think that'll be a good one to uh, to measure it as I go, like, particularly with the kids' films. Mm. Like, it's easier for me to rewatch Rocky and go, that's actually a really good film. Yeah. Like, it's a good film. Mm. Um, kids' films are different because I'm not their audience no. anymore. Um, so yeah, stacking them up next to each other. See, I would say as a kid, I would have liked this more than the Muppet movie. Yeah, yeah. That is that is an example, I guess. Um, it's just it's quite fantastical and and wonderful, and the world's really just cool. Mm. I think, and it, it's the right kind of characters for for me as a kid. I would have liked that. Yeah, I think this is also a. There's very few other ones like this. It, it, mm. There was a very short period of time where interesting kind of fantasy kid-based films were coming out and you have Neverending Story, Dark Crystal, Labyrinth and then I'd probably throw Legend in there, mm-hmm. the, um, the Ridley Scott movie um, Willow, the Ron Howard film yep. a few, like there was a sh- brief period of time where this kind of film was constructed and then yep. that's kind of gone away with and then, Yeah, it sort of changed through the 90s, didn't it? With like yeah. Jumanji and things like that Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I guess Peter Jackson came out with Lord of the Rings and did the best possible version of these, like a fantasy story you could ever do. Yes, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess we could talk about some funny... I, I think funny stuff in the film, like even just like we were commenting what the actor Atreyu would have had to go through. Yeah. Filming. Like it was interesting to watch, you know, and go back and watch a good old 80s, 80s film where like surely the actor's health suffered a bit from that. He spent a lot of time in Swamp Water. There was no OHS on that film. <laughs> no, like those scars looked real. Um... He, he surely got all the pneumonias there were 
Um. <laughs> During his horse riding training, he was thrown off a horse, which then stepped on him. <laughs> During the shooting of the drowning sequence in the Swamp of Sadness, his leg got caught on the elevator and he was pulled underwater. He was unconscious by the time he was brought to the surface. What? And he almost lost an eye during while filming the fight scene versus the Gamork. One of the claws of the giant paw poked him in the face and the robot was so heavy that he lost his breath as well as being hit to the, hit to the ground. Uh, because of that, they only did one take. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Wow. Alright, well done, um Noah Hathaway. Did yeah. did he ever go on and do anything else? No, uh, oh, I do did. have his I did I did do a <laughs> where are they now for both uh Atreyu and Bastion. So yeah. uh a yeah. um so Noah Hathaway now uh owns and operates uh with his wife a tattoo parlor in Los Angeles. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And uh, Barrett Oliver, who played Bastion, is a photographer and uh, an old um, photography expert, in particular going with uh, print methods of photography. Oh, okay. And uh, has art exhibitions and host galleries and uh, has written books on it and tours around, like, talking at universities about photography and... Well, he followed his dreams. Yeah, the, the art of, like... Film production. Yep, and I guess Bastion had pretty sweet hair. He must have been a hair model for a while. Not Bastion, sorry. Um, um, yeah, the Bar- it turned out he was in Cocoon. <laughs> like, okay. I looked him up on Bastion IMDb. was. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm just like, that, okay. I, I'm not planning on ever rewatching Cocoon, but okay. <laughs> no, no. Hmm. But I guess since we're kind of on that thing, mm. I've got a little bit of the kind of facts and info and yeah, stuff like, we, that we usually good. do at the end of each episode. Uh, so the film, uh, the film had an estimated budget of twenty-seven million dollars. Uh, that's U.S. dollars, mm-hmm. and worldwide it grossed a hundred million, uh, which is pretty that's great. A, that's a success. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it only made 20, uh, 20 million at the U.S. box office, uh, which is about fifty-five million adjusted for inflation. Uh, that made it the 49th highest grossing of, the f- of 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're intrigued, the two biggest were Beverly Hills Cop and Ghostbusters. Yeah, okay. With 234 and 229. So, like, they beat this by over 200 million. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, director Wolf- writer-director Wolfgang Peterson uh, ascribed this to the film's European sensibilities not connecting with American audiences. Interesting. I want, like... And, and to be honest, it does have a very... European kind of style and feel to it, I think. And mm. in particular, pretty much all the actors apart from the kids are dubbed. They are, are they? Yeah. yeah interesting. So it's, 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 yeah. I, um, I loved, actually, before you go into th- yeah. any more of it, I loved the, um, the scientist guy. Mm. The one-toothed scientist man. The goblin. Yeah, yeah, I forgot to talk about him before. Um, him and his uh, witch wife. Him and his witch wife. He was worth a mention. He was just so enthusiastic, and his little pop into frames and stuff. Mm. And he's... Get out of my light, witch. You're disturbing my scientific work. You and your scientific work. What the boy needs now is one of my potions. Well, so what's kind of great about the film, actually, is like even though it is a formulaic story, mm. in that he goes here and meets that person and has to do this, each of the people he encounters is a distinct and different person. Yes. With a different atmosphere, like, you know, attitude and kind of vibe about them that... The only one I got sick of was the turtle. Yeah, I think that sh- uh, she's just on there for so long because she's a turtle and she's slow and t- takes yeah, all the time. Yeah, just keeps sneezing. Um, but that's 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 a good way of putting it. Yeah, because they all they all are quite different. Um, mm. You have got that little interaction with those characters at the start, 
which I liked them all, but I didn't want the film to be following them. I'm like, they're not that exciting. No. And then... Good. But that's kind of just the nice, interesting drop you into the world of Fantasia. And yeah, like, and this let's is... give you three characters at once. And, and it helps they're... set up the idea of the nothing and... Yeah. Yeah, this ominous force. And... That worked quite well. And then, yes, the, yeah, the different little characters along the way. And even the Sphinx design was pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. So... Yes, I guess it did have that just sort of one step at a time kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it didn't really... I don't know. How, how did... Did American cinema do much fantasy sort of stuff at that stage? Was it kind of well? Eighty four. This is around that kind of similar t- similar time mm. as Legend and Willow and things yeah. that I think did a lot better because they were very much American made yeah. films and well, they you know starred Tom, one of Legend starred Tom Cruise like and, yeah, yeah okay so the recognize yeah recognize stars as well yeah like, like there's yeah. no stars in this movie no, and it is not yeah yeah was a very much an imported kind of film actually yeah okay um yeah actually weirdly um i don't know if i wrote this one down but um the film was actually um kind of bought and rushed and pushed into release by warner brothers because uh they their initial tentpole film for that summer was going to be supergirl mm-hmm. starring helen slater and faye dunaway and then when that was done and they saw how awful that film is <laughs> they were like nope we are not actually going to release that wow and they were like what else have we got uh i don't know this weird german movie let's just do that and they pushed good, it out for the summer release good safe yeah yep well done good good hustle yeah because <laughs> supergirl is real yeah. bad <laughs> it, so it did ultimately get released and yeah yeah didn't make any money everyone hates it pretty much yeah okay interesting yeah. <laughs> um at the time this was the most expensive film ever produced in germany uh I was shocked to find out... Oh, so, yeah, the budget was $27 million. Mm-hmm. I was shocked to find out a Das Boot. Well, I would have guessed. Yeah. Uh, only $14 million. What about, like, Metropolis? Uh, I get, Well, that would have been... that was a long time that ago. That was 1927, and so that would have been, like, $300,000? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It was pretty epic production, wasn't it, Metropolis? Pretty great, yeah, like, yeah. design and stuff, but I don't think they paid people much back then. No, fair enough, yeah. Um, okay, interesting. But, yeah, yeah bringing up Das Boot, I mean, that is was Wolfgang Peterson's film that he made before this. So he went off of arguably one of the greatest World War II mm. films and definitively the best submarine film ever yep. and went on to make this weird fantasy movie. Kind of like George Miller going from Mad Max to Babe. Kind of, right? Yeah. <laughs> and both are and, great. <laughs> back in the other direction. Yeah. Yep. So I, I just thought that was interesting. that um, Yeah, this, so this was the most expensive yeah. German film at that time. Interesting. There you go. Cool. Uh, author of the original book, Michael End, felt that the adaptation, uh, the adaptation's content de- uh, deviated so far from the spirit of his book that he requested that the production either be halted or the film's title be, cha- be changed. Cool. After the studio declined both options, he filed a lawsuit and ultimately lost. Oh, poor guy. Did he at least make money out of it? End refused to have his name placed in the opening credits. A small credit appears at the end of the film with his name. He called the film a gigantic melodrama of kitsch, commerce, plush, and plastic. Wow. I would love to know what the themes of his novel are all about. Yeah. And uh, according to an interview, he stated that he hoped that the film would have been directed by uh, Andre Waja or Akira Kurosawa. Wow. Like, you are dreaming, sir. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I mean, be lucky you got Wolfgang Peterson. Like, yeah. Wolfgang Peterson's coming off of a Best Picture, Best Director, yeah. Oscar nominations, and... Jeez. Yeah. Wow, picky author. Mm. Um, but I'd... it's it'd be, it'd be a funny one, having your work adapted, and particularly if you felt it was adapted... Completely wrong or really yeah. Hollywoodized. Like, 
or, or Europeanized or whatever. Um, it, yeah, it'd be a very odd spot to be in. Yeah, it, you would. It would feel like having one of you know, a, 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 like you know, you're it, losing your baby. babies. Yeah, yeah it's your baby, and it's been mm. altered. Um, Falcor was forty three feet long. In case you were wondering. <laughs> I, I, it was crossing my mind like that's a long luck dragon I wonder yeah. if that's average size uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Atreyu means bold guardian I was trying to figure out where he's uh, like I was like maybe it's a name spelled backwards and it just says like Nike backwards or something <laughs> it's apparently an ancient word for bold warrior Oh, bo- bo- uh, bold guardian so okay yeah. cool uh, the title song by Limmel initially did very poorly in the US I, I wrote this down because that's I think one of the biggest Mm, signifies like you're film. saying at the start yeah, yeah uh, the song only became a hit following the film's home video release and it's run on cable TV a year after the film's initial release really so it apparently was one of those films I think that's why it has such an endearing effect it, it ran on HBO and cable in the US yeah. at uh, nauseum that yeah. it just became a staple of 80s childhood I guess yep mm. it is a pretty European song I mean Moroda like, like we're talking about European guy yeah but I mean he was very successful in America yeah uh, yeah amazing yeah. <laughs> he is fantastic um I, this is just baffling to me uh the original Oren so the um the Ouroboros um kind of necklace yes that, um he has uh the original actual prop from the film uh is now <laughs> it now hangs in an enclosed glass display in Steven Spielberg's office he apparently what? loves this film and bought that prop and has it in his office hanging. Wow, interesting. I thought that was, in, yeah, kind of... Well, you're, <gasps> you're a bit of a Spielberg expert. After this, can you think of any of his films that he might have, you know... No, because this is post-84. Um, this is mm. around the time of Temple of Doom. Yeah. And then post-Temple of Doom was sort of him going into the more... Like shifting to a dramatic That's side that I he thought, hadn't done, yeah. which was like Color of Purple and Empire of the Sun and things yeah. like that. So maybe it was because '82 was ET, and like yeah. he he's very clearly has a distinct connection with childhood and yep. things like that. So maybe it's just he loved it, loved it, yeah, and loved the the practicality and the filmmaking behind it, possibly. Yeah, cool. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, but that, 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 sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that necklace barely got used in the film. I know it's such a linchpin, but it's, it's like, not really. Take this necklace with you; it'll only be useful at the very, very end when the world's been destroyed. But otherwise, and barely then, really. And even then, like it appears from behind an asteroid that was clearly going to move out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a bit of a letdown as an item. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you're hoping it might do something really great. I have a feeling it does a lot more in the sequel. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And ma- I bet you in the book it does heaps. I, w- I would imagine. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and the only other thing was that in 2009 there was a uh, planned sequel. Uh, no, sequel. A uh, planned remake, actually. Oh, with really? um, Warner Brothers, the Kennedy Marshall Company, and Leonardo DiCaprio's production company, Appian Way. But it fell through? Or has been put on hold? Or? In 2011, producer Kathleen Kennedy said that there were problems securing the rights to the story, which means it was probably never meant to be. And she's busy with Star Wars now, so... Yeah, she's doing okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think Leo's all right. <laughs> yeah, he's doing all right, though. He, he doesn't need to come back to this in a hurry, anyway. No. Um, but yeah, that, that was sort of all the backstory. Yeah, and no, that's, Weird, that's quirky awesome. stuff I had for this one. That's... Particularly because, like, yeah, like you said, coming from... Well, yeah, West German studio. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was interesting. And I guess to, before we, we finish up, we might as well have a final talk about the production of it. Like, you're going to... 
the exterior shot, like the outside shots of the the city were Vancouver. Yeah, for some reason the beach scenes were Spain. Apparently, yeah, okay. the beach and desert stuff was Spain. Yep, and then everything else was uh, sound stages in uh, West Germany. Yep, hence the creepy school attic. Yeah, sorry, we, we never got talk back about to this because it was just we, we were just too entertained by it during the film. It's baffling to me. It's full on like a haunted mansion attic. It is. What is up with this janitorial stuff? Why aren't they doing their job? What type of school? Like yeah. literally, he, when Bastian lies down to start reading the book, there is a skull on a bookshelf behind him. Like I know it's meant to maybe look like, oh, this is just all the leftover science and history equipment and things like that, but. There's an eclectic collection up there in yeah. a massive space. Yeah, um, it's baffling. It's, it's a very... It's the perfect setting for, for him to read that story. I'm sure, you know, that's why they put him there. But, mm. like, maybe he could have just lived in an old house and he could have just gone upstairs. Or the attic of the bookshop. Yeah, there. He could have just been hiding out from the bullies in a bookshop, found the book, and then just started reading it. Yeah, I mean, like, I know we're being a bit picky here, but that was a weird, weird attic. Yeah, um, it's, it's baffling to me. And I, like you said, I think that just lends to the, the interesting style of yes, it all. It's yeah. just so, like, what am I watching? Yeah, yeah there's just <laughs> a, a, enough of that. It's like, this is just a bit different. Yeah. Um, doesn't hurt it in any way, but it's, no. just, yeah, it's just a bit different. It's definitely... Yeah, we, we were... Definitely chatting about it during... Yeah, it, it makes it stand out, we'll yes. say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that adds more of its charm. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I think that that covers it all pretty well. Yeah. So, overall, you give it a thumbs up, you reckon? I do, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I think and it, a solid two thumbs up as a kid. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah. And um, no, I didn't, didn't get bored watching it and stuff. It was a good length, too. So. Nice. So, there was no need to bring any lawsuits or anything against the film for, for its title? Simpson, this is the most blatant case of fraudulent advertising since my suit against the film The Never-Ending Story. <laughs> it's it's a bit misleading. <laughs> it, it is, it is. Until you get to the ending and you get some meta reward. Yeah. Um, yep. That's like, I, yeah, like I was, we, we always go back to that Simpsons yeah. joke because it is so it's just amazing. Great. It's just a great little joke. But what, having watching it now is like I hadn't seen it in ages, I'm like, no, like no, that works. It does actually works. <laughs> I always just assume, like, eh, hey, cool fairy tale name. That's why my mind was blown when they actually explained how it was a never-ending story. Like, oh, I get this now. That's kind of clever. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can't believe Lionel Hutz of all people won that case. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I guess we've kind of reached that time where it's uh, we've got the top hat down off the rack and. It's time for Eric to reach in and pull out a film for the next episode. So, next episode, we will be watching something totally different. Point break, baby. The ex-presidents are surfers. You're trying to tell me the FBI is going to pay me to learn to surf. (laughs) Correct. Great. So, this is one that um, my ex-housemate just... It just blew his mind every single time I had to remind him I hadn't this, seen it. So. This is one of the films that was the crux for this podcast, it was, I feel. Like, it was. It was yeah, a real... Our, um, our friend Simon, who uh, was Eric's old housemate, like, it, it's one of his favourites, and it's, yeah. I think, baffling. To- <laughs> I mean, even Hot Fuzz says it pretty well. Have you ever seen Point Break? No. Amazing bit in Point Break where they jump over fences. Is that not? <laughs> so, no, I'm, I'm very excited for this one. I've, I've seen enough little trailer bits and pieces to know it's just going to be... I'm expecting it to be damn good fun. So it's it's pretty great. Glad that one's come out of the hat. Um, yeah, expecting it to be more violent than this film. Substantially. <laughs> <laughs> Although this film does have its violent it's got moments. moments yeah. yeah. But I guess that'll probably wrap us up for this week's episode. Um, as usual, I'll kind of throw out there. Uh, if you if 
you want to have a listen, I have another film-related podcast called The Criterion Quest, where myself and uh, my uh, our friend Tom, we work our way through uh, every film in the Criterion Collection. Uh, Eric's been on quite a few, and I think we're going to try and rope him in for the next episode we're recording. Actually. Oh, really? What's that? The Complete Monterey Pop Festival. So it's the, a box set of all the live performances at the Monterey Music Festival, the, where famously Jimi Hendrix set his guitar on fire. And yeah, I'd be down for that. I thought you might be. So. How long does it go for? Not that long. Oh, Not okay. that long. Sweet, all right. Yeah. Music music day. But, um, yeah, if you're intrigued, uh, tune in and have a listen to that podcast, or you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I go under that handle of at Criterion Quest. Yeah, where I kind of post stuff about this show and that show and all sorts. So Yeah, it's worth following. There's some good stuff, particularly mm. when film festivals are on. Yeah. <laughs> That's mainly when it is. Yeah. But, but I guess other than that, uh, thank you for listening. Oh, and uh, we do have a email address set up. Oh, yeah, we do, thanks to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, so if you have any suggestions of films that you think Eric might have missed, or you just want to drop us an email and say you like the show, or d- give us any advice or anything, like, really. I keep thinking of them. I thought of Waterworld the other day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah, the, that address is I haven't seen pod at gmail.com. Uh, no apostrophes or anything in there, just all one word haven't seen pod at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to send us a drop us a line. Beautiful. But uh, yeah, otherwise, thank you again for listening, and um, yeah, we'll chat to you again in a, uh, in a fortnight. I'm Eric. I'm Chris. Good night. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.